Let's go to Matthew chapter four. Let's actually get into the sermon here. I hope some of y'all online because I was really excited about this one. This was a good one. I'm glad you guys came today, but come next week too, okay? I, I, I'm always excited to preach, but I was really excited about this one because God woke me up in my sleep at the lake, which is all the time anyway, in my sleep, and the word was just boom. The whole message was there, Vince, that never happens. I was like, whoa, I never saw it like this. This is Jesus going up in the mountain to fast before the announcement of his ministry. It was common for high priests to announce their ministry at 30 years old to declare their ministry. And the baptism was a public announcement of his ministry. Just so we're clear here, Jesus was sinless. He did not need to be baptized. But in order to show us and to announce something, he was baptized first. Isn't that good? But y'all didn't know that. How can he need be washing away a sin when he had none? It's because that's not his context there and not his purpose. That was 30 years old to announce the kingdom of God is here. Let's go in modern terminology. He said, let's go. And so before that, he wanted to make sure he was making the right decision in fasting up in the mountain, I think. I think that's why he did it. Because fasting does something with your spirit. The weaker you become physically, the spiritually more in tune you get. And that's why we encourage fasting. If you've never done it, um, you can fast whatever. Everybody fasts like social media these days. That's weird. No, fast for real, like don't eat, but some water, maybe some bread for a few days and watch God speak in your life. You know why? It's because you're not distracted by the physical satisfactions you're, you're used to every day. It's as simple as that. So, so Jesus wanted to be in tune with the spirit that dwelleth in him. So he went to the mountain to pray and to fast before he got ready to do this thing because it was kind of a big deal. And in this funny, this is where the devil comes to try to offer Jesus a bargain deal. Oh, this is good. Did you know you're in this text? You're in this text with Jesus. God had you in mind. Jesus didn't need to be worried up on the mountain because he was God. But Jesus had you in mind when he was up on the mountain. That's why we have this. This is good. Oh, this is going to be good. Did I mention it's going to be good? Okay, it's going to be good. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. She's ready to go. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He's like, is there a White Castle around here? I'm starving. Is there a 24-hour Krispy Kreme? I got to get something in my belly. No, they didn't have that back then. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. See, when you become weak for, for the Lord through fasting, you become weak, and that's when the devil wants to attack you. So isn't it funny that he was fasting for a good reason and the devil came? And, he, and he, he, he tempted him with what? Food, real food. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This was after Satan told him to turn the stone into bread. Ooh, focaccia bread with butter. Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, the highest point, everybody say highest not the middle point, the highest point. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift up in their hands. They will lift you up in their hands, excuse me, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written devil. 
do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. Isn't it funny how they keep going up in elevation in these situations? He took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the splendor, the Starbucks and the all-you-can-eat buffets that aren't yucky, that are actually good if they exist. Do they exist anymore? And uh, just all the splendor, like whatever, whatever is good to you, maybe all like, uh, like the Frappuccinos. He showed him all the Frappuccinos all over the land. And he said, you can have all that. See how shallow we are here at One Seed? We get excited for Frappas. I do. He showed him everything his heart could desire in flesh, right? All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Now, can I just pause right there and say, devil, you's a fool. Come on. You're talking to the man. You're talking to the Messiah. And when you talk to the Messiah, you are speaking to God. Do you really think Jesus would go for that? The devil's a fool and thought maybe. Jesus said to him, you's a fool, devil. No, he said, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Hmm. Then the devil left him and angels came in his place and attended him. The devil left him when he denied the request to sell out. And instead, angels came and replaced the devil and attended with Christ. My title today is settling for less. Settling for less. Oh, I don't know if I should tell him this story, Jen. This is good. My background is music. Well, after the first year or so of One Seed Church, we had George and Georgia. That is our code names for anybody that ever does anything weird in the church. We can't disclose their real names. That is George and Georgia. This time it was a husband and wife. I will give you that. And they said, hey, we want to take you to lunch. Pastor, I said, don't call me that unless you mean it. And I didn't say that. I just thought it. I could tell there's someone right here trying to play the pastor. I said, okay, I guess I'll go to lunch. I never, I still have never been to lunch after church with anybody from church in the five years of this church. Isn't that weird? I know it's weird. I'm sorry, guys. You want to do lunch? Just holler. Saving that money. No, I never have done, I've never done the, the after lunch thing. I know it's a weird pastor thing, but that's, that's just the way it's been. And uh, I think it's because we were fixing broke stuff after church, Nate. There was never time for lunches. But uh, they said, hey, we want to take you to lunch sometime. And when everybody, whenever, every, anytime somebody approaches me and they don't tell me why, I know there's something weird. Because I'm very transparent. I'm like, why do you want to meet for lunch? What do you want to talk about? Because we're all busy, and I want to make sure that I'm efficient with your time because you're going to be efficient with my time. And if you just say, hey, I just want to meet for lunch, Midday, you know, that time you hate to go to lunch during the normal work week? Yeah, that time. I never told them that, but I'm like, I don't really go to lunches with people during the week because I'm busy and I can't focus and I'm in like robotic land on the computer. And so I go to lunch. And so they, they had, one of them I had known for a long time, even back when I did the music thing. And one of them I met through the other one for church reasons. And, and they were like really kind of connecting with the church. I'm like, oh yes, new people. And I'm like, they want to know about the vision. They want to know what we believe. They want to know why us. 
You know, all the typical new people, church questions that pastors get. And uh, so, we, so we meet, and I'm pouring my heart out about the church. I'm like, this is, I said, this is my life's work. I said, no, I didn't say that yet. Let me come back to that. That was in response to the next part. Ooh. So they're asking me all this stuff about the church. And we've been going about a year, maybe a year and a half. And um, I'm telling them the vision. I say, yeah, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're a Jacob right now, but we're going to become an Israel. That means many. And, and we're going to buy a building. And we're not doing this small. Otherwise, no thanks. Just very honest about it. That's someone else's vision. I said, my vision is we're going to do this big, but we're going to keep it personal. But we're going to reach a lot of people. We're going to do it big. We're going to, we're going to buy a building. We're going to really do some things. And I wouldn't invest my time in it if I didn't mean what I was saying. And I'm pouring out my heart to these people for like 30 minutes. And finally, they go, well, I just want to let you know there's uh, at our other church, there's a worship director position open, and we just thought you might be interested. That's when I said, this is my life's work. I said, I don't need a job. I said, I didn't say this. I thought, y'all blind to what God is doing. And I have to admit, it hurt my heart because they only saw the moment They only saw the nine people at church and go, well, this is just nine people. But they didn't see the vision God planted that was underneath the ground still, that got us here and and all of us together moved it forward who believed by faith. We, We did this together. I'm not claiming that. I'm saying we did this together when others said, just go do something else. First of all, (laughs) I wouldn't want to do it at that church and I wouldn't want to do it because I don't like playing music with people that aren't a certain way and I'm picky and it stresses me out. I said, I'll let, I'm going to let Nolani do all that stressful work. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And so, so they offered me a moment to, to abandon something that took years to just start. So in a moment, they offered something to abandon something that took over a decade to start, maybe longer. See, that's what they didn't understand, and that's why it hurt my heart. And I left the conversation. I called Michelle. I said, you would not believe what they said. I said, and they meant, they meant good by it. I said, but they knew nothing about what God was doing, and they only saw the moment. And so, so they missed everything I said to them about tomorrow and where it's going. And hence, they didn't last long at the church because they didn't see the vision. I already knew they wouldn't because they never saw the vision to begin with to offer something so foolish to a pastor who had been planted for a year who just took, said it took a decade to even accept the calling and you think I'm gonna sell out for that? Jesus don't have a price. He already paid it. We don't have a price to sell out for God because he already paid it. So, so what, what, what was funny about this story is that that's what the devil was doing to Christ on the mountain. And I woke up and I said, I said, that conversation is, is God trying to show us that we are on the mountain with him. Right then he could have walked away, Jen. He could have walked away, said it was kind of stressful. People are irritating me and they're not doing it right. And I just don't know if I want to save the world, says the Lord. Like he could have done that, right? He was flesh too. 
If he couldn't relate to us in our frustration, he could have not uh, redeemed us because we had to have something we could connect with, and that's the humanity. Settling for less. They don't know that I would have, oh, man. You know, like the greatest ambitions in your life will maybe create the most work, but that's where the reward is, and nothing can replace that when it's for God. So they they don't know that it doesn't even matter when there's people. The calling's there either way. And it started with zero. They didn't know that you're preaching to a wall. It started that way for a year, preaching to a wall. There's like 40-something sermons preaching to a wall. They didn't know that when they offered me, hey, you want to do this? (laughs) No, but thank you. See you in five years when we're still doing what we're doing. It irritated my flesh because I felt like they didn't believe what God gave me. And so I'm encouraging you today that if God gives you something, you are not meant to compromise it for the splendor of right now. It takes time. It takes time. And this is so good. Nothing is so valuable as the credibility behind your calling. Credibility. We are living in a uh, non-credible culture. Nothing means nothing. Remember when people say, I give you my word? Now that like doesn't mean anything. That's because credibility held its value. And with God, credibility is so valuable. When God calls your consistency to stand by him is priceless. Your consistency to stay on the mountain, even with that beautiful view, and you're like, I could have all that? Jesus says, you just stay right here. You don't even know what I got yet. You just stay right here with me, says the Lord. Not only does the enemy desire you reject the call, but that you give it up at the cost of selling out to him. Selling out to the enemy. If the enemy can stop you from moving towards God's call, he can stop you from doing great things in this world through you. Remember, remember God uses people to accomplish Church growth, kingdom, the kingdom's here on earth. That's why we go out, because if he doesn't use us, he has no way to touch people through people. That's why we are the body. So he uses people, and if we sell it short, he no longer can use us for the calling he called us with. Now we're going back to the flesh if we're not careful. So my question today is, are you willing to turn down the immediate prize for the long-term goal? Are you willing to keep your focus on the prize on high to prevent settling for less? Will you compromise when God calls? What's tempting y'all away from God in your life today? I want you to think about that. You don't have to be a preacher. But you have a purpose, and you have a calling, and what, what is tempting you away in your day-to-day, like devil did Jesus? What is the enemy trying to tempt you away right now when you feel God tugging on your heart, but you're kind of like, mm, maybe tomorrow. That was me. Has anybody, ever, anybody else ever felt the tug but just waited anyway? That was me. Anybody ever felt God tugging on you to do something, like maybe like a, a burden 
You know what a burden is? A burden's like when God puts something heavy on your heart and you feel almost like down. You're like, I don't know what's going on here. It's because you're not, you're not, you're not leveraging the oil of the burden that God put in you. That's the tug I'm talking about. And some of y'all maybe never felt that before, but when you feel it once, you'll know how it feels and you'll go, okay, I know that every time. And then you laugh at the devil. Like, like, that's good. You, you need a burden once in a while to put your, that's what 9-11 Memorial will do. It, 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 it gives you a burden for the lost. And now you go, what is my life really meant to be? What am I doing with my life? What am I doing for God? What's tempting you away from God? Uh, you may have had a hunger to pursue God and you've seen God move and the devil wants to feed you rice cakes to satisfy something only meat can do. We always say we, we planted the church to feed meat because people are tired of rice cakes. <laughs> Who likes rice cakes? I got some. They're good with the sugar-free jelly, organic rice cakes. The only problem with organic rice cakes, Allison, is they crumble really easily. You need the artificial kind that have all the bad stuff, so they, they're like nice and cakey. Anyway, Amazon. But I can't eat but 18 of those things before I feel like even remotely content in my belly. Because <laughs> you really need meat, you know? Like you weren't meant to live on rice cakes, bread alone. You need a living word of God, Jesus says. Like you need something more. And so the enemy will try to feed you rice cakes in your, in your fasting season to get you to sell out for the steak he's offering you. Up on the hill. Up on the mountain. Isn't it so funny that Jesus went up the mountain? and the devil tried to throw him down the mountain. There's, there's a literal element to this story, and there's a spiritual one to it as well. You've heard of torn wells, hills and valleys, okay? There's a literal element to walking with God, and there's a spiritual uh, illustration from it too. <laughs> they say everyone has a price. Well, last time I checked, like I said, Jesus paid that price, so... We don't have a price for selling out to God's call. God's call is unique. It's unique. That's why we say discover God's perfect plan made just for you, because you have a calling that's unique that no one else can imitate for you. And so you might spend your first 50 years of your life figuring that out, that God really called me for something for him, that it's not really about us, and I wish it was because it'd be a lot more fun sometimes until we feel empty inside and realize, why do I feel empty? It's because it was never about us, but we make it about us, but really it's about him. And when we start saying it's a, to make it fulfilled in us, we gotta be about him, we start finding joy. Are you getting this? Am I going too fast? I'm just rattling it off, baby. Like, it's just, it's just so backwards. We, we collect to find joy, and we stay miserable. But if we give, we find joy because fulfillment is in giving through him. And so that's why the devil wants to feed your flesh. God wants to feed your spirit, feed your soul. Jesus was God, so he knew, <laughs> I'm not coming off this mountain. It's not my time. Remember, he told his own mom, it's my, my hour has not... He said, woman, my hour has not yet come. At 12 years old, sounds like Caleb right now. No wonder he talks that way. Dan, my hour has not yet come. See, that was, now I'm jumping back to when, when Jesus was a kid, but he knew his thing had a timing. His calling had a timing, and it takes time. You can't, you, they say Rome wasn't built in a day. That's why, because everything good takes time so it can last, so it can sustain so maybe y'all have some temptations you're dealing with 
right now that are causing you to just kind of put off that. And I can preach it because I'm, I'm really good at procrastinating things I'm not really wanting to fully commit to. Maybe it's, it's some kind of quick temptation or maybe really in this culture, it's convenient. It's convenient. Maybe it's compromising what God called because it's convenient. It's not convenient when some of the road signs go in the intersection, everybody's gone home, and then people are going to die because our road signs are going to cause traffic wrecks. It's not convenient to have to go get those in the middle of the day. Like, there's a lot of things we do for God because we're in it to win it. And though it's not convenience, we know it's to glorify God, and those extra little steps make the difference. But it's not convenient. It's not convenient when you wake up to messages from people you don't even know their name, and they're asking you for something, they're mad at you. It's not convenient but you glorify God through it because that means God is stirring hearts. You know, like there's an there's, there's a, there's a outward result from your private efforts, the Bible says, on the field. He says you'll be rewarded openly for those things you do in private. So we love it. We love it. And, and, and you'll love it too. Or maybe you know somebody who, who hasn't found that understanding or that revelation yet, and, and God will change their heart to be mission-minded when they have that revelation but it's never quick. It is never quick. Y'all should have seen my plans for the end of year one. My brother straight up laughed at me and I was offended. But he was right. I was a little impatient, Rusty. I remember I said uh, at the dinner table one time, I said, yeah, our building's gonna be 30,000 feet in five, at five years, at five years in. He straight up, <laughs> I was like, no, he didn't just laugh at God's word. Well, really, I was hoping for 20, and if you want to know the truth, this place is 18. At four years. We're doing okay, guys. Y- y'all know what church life looks like for new churches? You don't know you're sitting on a diamond. This is not about me. This is unusual, what we're doing. We got someone driving from Lee Summit to join the worship team because they've been watching online and they go, what they're doing is not normal. I don't want to be normal. Do you want to be normal? Or you want to go out with a bang and say, I gave everything I had for the Messiah because he gave everything he had for me. Come on, somebody. Are you awake? Do you believe this word? Am I preaching to myself? Come on. I am preaching to myself. Two, everything I say to you, I'm saying to myself because I got to fight me. It's real easy to go, you know what? I don't need to do that because my kids are find a reason. And God says, it's because of them. It's because of that. Don't you lose focus. Don't let the devil sway your focus. And that's what he says. He says, go up that mountain so you can look how pretty it is. So you can just go where I tell you. God says, that's not me. That's not my word. Well, if it just had this, forget y'all, not y'all. I don't answer. He said, he said right there, I answer to one God alone. He is my judge. He is my source devil. Anybody else? I'm not listening. Jesus just said it. So if Jesus can ignore the, the critical people who are never going to plug in anyway because they don't see the vision, they want you to sell out for the cookie jar. Sam's has the best cookies. You know, like, has anybody had the... Mac, this pasture is crazy. I'm not denying that. I'm crazy about God. And I'll say what I got to say to get you to remember something when you leave this ADD world. 
kids. It's like, I gotta say everything 15 times. How, you know what Caleb said? I said, how'd you, how'd you sleep, buddy? I love you, buddy. This is funny. This don't get mad at me. This is funny. <laughs> I said, how'd you sleep? What do you mean how to sleep? I don't know. I was, I was sleeping, dad. I said, just say good. <laughs> Colton, you don't know what you're going to get from that boy. How'd you sleep? Huh? Huh? Is that on YouTube? How many? Is that a video on YouTube? Is there a Tesla in that, dad? Kids obsessed with Tesla. <laughs> oh, so funny. Raising kids will preach to you all day. It's so good. Oh, now we're waking them up because y'all, y'all know what that's like. See, if we, can, if we can relate, we can appreciate, and then God can speak to our hearts. So it's working. Good. God's promise, though, takes patience, persistence, priority. That's really good. I'm going to type that out on paper. Oh, I have it right here. That is really good. If you want to see God move in your life, remember this. It takes promise from him, patience from you, persistence from you also, priority, oh, that one's from you also. You need all three to really see God game change, game changer, your life. God could touch you in the blink of an eye. God can do a lot with the mustard seed. He's waiting for you to stand with him. So good. Are we changing or circling the mountain? Are we kingdom-minded or wilderness people still? You know, Israel didn't figure it out for the longest time. That was the wilderness era. But then when the New Testament came, Hebrews speaks, and I'm jumping around here, speaks of that era being over. So how long will we live in the wilderness before we become kingdom builders, kingdom-minded, have the, the revelation light bulb go off, ding, I get it. I get it. There's more to this than I even know of. Yes, there is. What's the Garth Brooks song? I'm not proud of low places. Something like that. I don't like country music. I just lived in Nashville for part of my life. Weird. No, you know what's funny? Is devil struck God at the highest place to try to take him to the lowest place. He waited till Jesus got to the highest place. Now let's, let's, let's wind it back for a second. He was about to announce his ministry to the world to go to the cross. They had only been waiting on him for what? 800 years, 1,000 years, since God knows how long the prophets spoke it back in the Old Testament. And now he's on the mountain and he's about to finally start this thing through baptism. At 30, and the devil says, throw you down. Throw yourself down. Look at this. Look at this. Verse 5 real quick, Jen. It says, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He was on one foot. That's how, that's how high he was at the point of this thing. He was on the highest point of the temple. And he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. He didn't mean off the point. He meant down. To the bottom, the bottom. He took him up high so he could fall the farthest, the hardest. Throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, 
and they lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. He's saying, don't worry, the angels will catch you. Jesus is like, I'm God. I made those angels, and they are busy. They are not going to catch me right now. No. Isn't that crazy? God is going to take you to a place that's so delicately powerful, and that's where the enemy is going to sift in. He's going to take you to the point you've been waiting for, and that's when he's going to mess with your head and go, do you know what you're doing? Are you sure God called you to this fruit tree? Uh, I don't know. You know, you know, you've been really dedicated to God's calling over your life, but now that you're about to finally see ground break in your purpose, you sure that's really what, what God was doing? That's what the devil will do. You know, if you really keep moving on that, you're just not a, you're not a good dad. Maybe you should just focus on being a good spouse or good brother. Maybe you're so kingdom-minded, you're no earthly good. That's what we used to say. Old church people joke. Well, not me, but I'm not that old. Like, like people so holy, they're so, they're so heaven-bound, they're, they're no earthly good. You ever heard that? But like, like uh, a one pastor friend, this is horrible. This is horrible. He said, he said, he said pastors uh, often commit uh, having an affair with the church from their spouse. You know what he means? He's not talking about a real affair. He's saying you can get so engulfed in it. So the devil will plant that in your mind saying you're, you're doing too much for that. You're giving too much to that. And then he'll, guess what he'll use? He'll use your, your closest people, your family, your friends, and then he'll confuse them too. And then y'all be confused. And you'll be like, no, I listen to one alone. And you go back to the closet. You go back to where you got to go to hear from God and regain your focus. Because the de- that's, that's you on the mountain right there. That's you on the mountain. And the devil wants you to step down from that mountain. God said, this is the pivot point that I wanted you to get to. This is why you have to stand here with me. This is what you waited for. This is what my calling was for, is for you to be at this place and you to be able to say no. Because if I called you, you can say no to that. Because it's not right for you. That relationship's not right for you. If they want you to compromise your calling that I called you with, that is not my purpose. If it contradicts my calling, your commitment to me first. See, we spiritualize it and think it's really us on a mountain and there's like doves flying by and we see the ark and stuff. No, Jesus is saying, don't sell out, sell out your, 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 your intimacy. Don't sell out your, your pocketbook. Don't sell out, sell out your, your materialism to, 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 to the consistent needs of the integrity of your family. Don't sell out all these things. That's how God says, that's what I'm talking about in today's world. Y'all getting this? He'll attack you at the highest point to take you to the lowest place. And an immediate compromise stops years of progress, years of resolution, years of change. Can I be honest? That's something weird a pastor should not ever say. Can I, you know, like there's been times where I just go, I don't don't know. I don't know if this is what I was supposed to do. And then you know, what, you know what gets me back in focus, Allison? Is thinking about not having it. Y'all, I'll never go to another church again. This is my church. I'll never, yeah, you can clap for that. I'll never, I'll never go to church again. Anywhere else. 
And so, so when I get like, oh, it's so hard, and I'm just tired, and I don't know, and what if, what if, what if, flesh, flesh, flesh. God says, you don't understand. We're tied together. You can't leave this even if you wanted to, flesh, because I got your spirit. And, and, and he says, he says, he says, this is, this is where joy lives. We're going to be preaching a message about rest and work. You know, God never gave rest unless there was work. Anything good takes work. Anything good takes breaking a bead of sweat. Can I just get a bead of sweat from some of y'all's foreheads for Jesus? Like one bead in the life, like in a 10-year span, how many have had one bead on their head for God? Nate, that's every day. His shiny head's all sweaty every day for Jesus. (laughs) Sorry about that. Love you, buddy. We talk very plainly to each other. Where am I going with this? What I'm trying to tell you is the easy way out is usually not God's way in. That's good, isn't it? Hmm, I like that. The easy way out is usually not God's way in. Rusty, we wrestled. I bet all those wrestlers, they got good by just watching. No. The easy way out is never God's way in, is never the way to growth. So when the enemy says, here's a way out, just, you know, go do it for them. They're already established. Did you know it could take a couple centuries for you to have what they have? I don't want what they have. I want what God has. I don't want to piggyback. I want to drive the thing. I want to create the vehicle. I don't want to just go get in someone else's nice car. I want to build the car because that's the car God called us to drive, not someone else's Lamborghini for Jesus or whatever, whatever. Does Jesus like Lamborghinis? Colton would say he likes Teslas. I'm giving you all this. I know it's a lot, but the pressure to give in will be at those high points of your calling when you feel weakest, when you feel the most tempted, but that is the pivotal moment. That is the part to rejoice. The Bible says you rejoice if you endure persecution. That is persecution. When you feel like they're laughing at you, (laughs) I'm laughing at the devil because they don't even know what's growing in your purpose. God's about to pivot somebody today on that mountain. He's about to pivot it. And you're thinking of cutting it short for convenience today. You're human, then it's crossed your mind that you think I could just cut it short. What is he talking about? I'm talking about whatever it is God has birthed you for through your mother's womb. There's a reason you're here and you need to find that purpose and go after it and do it together through the synergy of the church and watch God move. It's that easy. It's that easy. Everybody's two mites of investment. Now, I'm not talking money here. I'm talking purpose. Everybody's two mites towards purpose grows the purpose tree. Isn't that cool? That's all it takes. And the temptation from the enemy won't stop at the beginning of that. It will keep elevating its offer. So the temptation in the beginning for you to make the decision to really go all in for Jesus was one level of pressure you never felt before. But eventually you're going to get used to that. So then the enemy is going to come after you with something different. He's going to up the ante. 
He's going to say, everybody's got a price. Come on, your flesh, you know you really want to do this. Well, guess what? Don't fall into peer pressure when you're serving God because God is so much bigger. And all the, all the peers who are pressuring you, they really want what you have when you're leading for him. What happened when Jesus laughed at him and kicked him off the mountain? It says the enemy left and the angels came. Angels are waiting for your decision. Angels are waiting for the outcome that took time, took way longer than you thought. Angels are waiting for you to be in that moment. They're not waiting for you at the shortcut. They're waiting for you at the result God called you to. So when you kick the devil off the hill, off the mountain, the angels will come encourage you. God will say, I'm never going to leave you. You know, the angels are just the offspring of the essence of who he is. So when I hear angel, I don't think of little weird ladies in wings. I think of God's presence. So when I know the angels are coming, Vince, I don't think of like the halos and all that thing. I think of God's presence coming. So when I think of someone compromises my thing in a hot wing joint in the middle of a week and doesn't see the vision that I gave my life to, that I was terrified for and all this for, for a quick high to get a woohoo pat on the back as a worship something, like that's a show. I don't want that. Been there, done that. This is bigger than that. This is bigger than what your eyes can see. And though you can't see it, God does because God sees in the spirit. And eventually the spirit will offspring what we see in the physical at 1C Church. We're going to get there. He says, I worship God alone. There is no one else in this world. The angels will come. Y'all can stand with me as we close. When you kick the devil out, everybody just kick somebody. No, don't kick somebody. Kick the air. Come on, just kick the air. Just don't, don't like twist an ear, get injured and sue us. We don't have any money to pay you for your lawsuit. Just, just like kick something. Get out of here, devil. And the presence of God just ushers in to fill the gap. It's so good. You want to kick the devil off the mountain? Turn on some worship music in your car. Works good. When they cut you off and they give you the hand sign of hello with the one single finger, it means hello, we love you. You, you, can, you can kick them out with the worship song. It works. Trust me. It works. Sometimes you just got to go find a place that you're not distracted by what others think, like your closet, like your car, like a dark room, and you get on your hands and knees. You say, God, fill the room with angels. Get these devils out of my mind trying to tempt me off this mountain because I know you have a bigger calling for me than this junk that I'm calling good. This is junk food. I need real food. I'm not living this way. Your spirit feels bloated because that's junk food you're feeding it. You need real food. The angels are waiting. This is your time to do something amazing for God. Don't sell out. You know what's so cool about not selling out, Nate, is that, is that even at the end of the day, if it was just me and you, I knew I'd put everything I had in it. And that's what mattered to me. That's what mattered to you. That's what matters to you. That's what should matter to you, is that it's never about what people think. It's about that you did what God called you to do. That's what matters at the end of the day. When you stand before God, he's not going to say, how many people did you impress? He says, you did what I called you to do, good and faithful servant. And that's it. He's the only one you serve. You don't save mam serve mammon, you serve God. You don't serve people, we serve a God who's alive. Come on, somebody.
when you feel that tug, remember, great things are near. When you feel that little like, I don't know, maybe, what if great things are near? That's the enemy trying to get you to jump off that mountain. And I want to close with this same story. (laughs) See, I knew something they didn't know back then. I knew about this moment right now. And I know about the moment in five more years, in 10 more years, God willing, however long my little body can not break something. My little forearms hurt. And, 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 maybe, and like, I know about maybe my boys. And I know about maybe, maybe, maybe Gabe's calling he's stepping into. And in 10 years, he's going to be like this, 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 this guru for God that we never knew. Like, I, like, I don't know. Like, we didn't see a king. But God sees a king. You know, we see, we see David. God sees a king. And so, so, so they didn't know that I saw all that at the lunch. And so now I kind of like, I give thanks for those moments that tested because if you don't ever get tested by an offering, you don't really know what you got. And I know, wow, that is not what I want. This is what I want in that moment. And that's why I did it. And that's why I took action. And that's why we're going to keep doing it. And you're going to see weeks like this when you go, well, there's just not that many people at church. You know what? It don't matter because they're going to come. They're going to come. And you're going to remember the pastor going, remember when he said it just like, someday they're going to come. Who remembers the sermon at the theater when we preached to a sold out crowd in the theater and no one was there? How many remember that one? Y'all thought I was crazy. Yeah. 281 seats. You got to preach it like you believe it because people need to know you mean it. We mean it. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere. God, we give thanks now that we're going to stand on the mountain for your glory to build your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, this daily bread that we may not be led into temptation that when the devil comes, we can just kick him off the hill because the angels are ready to come hold us tight. Your presence has come to hold us tight. We don't need what the devil has. It won't last. It won't last. Let us not forget, no matter how shiny it looks, it won't last if it's not from you. So we give thanks for that truth. We give thanks for an eternal truth in a carnal world that we will not let go of. We will hold on to it. We will believe for the impossible. We will believe for the impossible. We will believe what the world says cannot be so. How did it happen? How did these people come from three hours just to play a guitar for this church? Why would they do that? Because, God, you're stirring something so big that when it pops open, it's going to flood this place like they've never seen, and no one's going to know what to do with it. But we will be ready. We're going to be ready. Everybody's saying, we're ready. We're going to be ready. We give glory to those who gave their life today on 9-11. And for them, we're ready. We get up and do this with joy because we're ready, humbled in the sight of those who have labored before us. And now we take the baton into the world and give them the word of God that is alive, never failing. It shall not perish. It shall be when hell was created and when hell goes back in the lake of fire. The word will go nowhere. We're with you, Lord. We got your calling, baby. We give thanks right now, God. And if the house of God can say in Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen. 